sorry, sorry. Sorry, I was late. I'm Robert Bradford. I'm a teaching pastor here at The Grove. And I love this time change. <laughs> Super happy. Did you guys feel springy this morning? Spring forward. It's like they're lying to us, trying to get, trying to talk us into it, you know? Uh, I seriously, I've never done well. I mean, when I was a kid, when I was younger, I really liked the fall back because it was like cheating. My, I could stay in bed for another hour. My mom couldn't, you know, yell at me like, get out of bed. Oh no, I got the extra hour. 99, you know. And, uh, but now I, I've gotten older, I guess. I don't know. I, I actually do turn 50 this month, which is awful. Gosh. My wife, for the party, she put, oh, no, the big 5-0. I'm like, what is that? Could she just say birthday? They don't need to know I'm 50. <laughs> but I guess it's, oh, no, the big 5-0. But, but I, I struggle with the time change a lot since I'm older, uh, and I just, I wanted to know, like, who was the idiot? I mean, the guy. Who was the guy that came up with this whole time change thing? So I did some research. You're not going to believe this, okay? True story. I did some research, and I found out that in 1905, this, this British guy, okay, this British guy was riding his horse in the morning, and he said, you know, if we changed our clocks back, I could ride my horse longer. And he wrote this pamphlet, I'm not kidding, he wrote this pamphlet that said, um, the waste of daylight. And he's trying to sell it to British Parliament to get them to change the time. And he wanted to, this is my favorite part, I, you know, I come from England, so I, I can chastise this guy. Um, he wanted to change the clock 80 minutes. Like, not an hour, not an hour and a half, 80 minutes, you know? Just, so when Paul Revere was riding through the country saying the British were coming, this is what he was talking about, okay? So, so Parliament said, no, we're not doing that. And the Germans said, hey, you know, we're heading into World War I here and going to try and take over the world. That's probably a good idea. Let's shift the clocks. So they adopted it. And then in 1915, the Brits adopted it. And the U.S., what were we thinking? We adopted it. And then everyone hated it, and so they turned it off. But this is great. There are certain spots in the country where they like the time change. So they, they would, you know, this city, this county. And if you were driving from Ohio, there's a point in history, if you're driving from Ohio to West Virginia, which is not very far, you would change your clock seven times. They called it the chaos of clocks. <laughs> so someone said, enough already, and they came up with the Uniform Time Act that said you could only screw up the clocks, you could only change them up like this. And it had to be adopted by the whole state. And, uh, and so here we are, springing forward. And uh, and I just hate it. And and when I think about the time change, I realize that everything changes. Actually, uh, in my life, I'm going through a lot of change. Uh, in your lives, your experiences, there's a lot of change. Everything changes. I, I started thinking about. I mean, my clothes change. You know, they wear out. I actually tore my favorite jeans this weekend. So sad. 
they were nice. And my, our relationships changed. <laughs> I won't say that one. That was funny, though. Um, everything changes. It does. And uh, in this situation, <laughs> I'll get you after, bro. Everything changes, and, the, and the, the situation is this. I mean, our relationships change. Um, we have the work changes. The company, we got bought. We went through four rounds of layoffs. I, I sat next to somebody who got a phone call. HR showed up with security, and they were escorted out, all done. And we, we face a lot of change. And what's interesting is if you go to 301, you'll find out that the, the uh, most predominant personality type in America, is the, the personality type that hates change the most. You know, it's that person when, you know, their husband or their spouse, I'll say their spouse, I said husband, their wife, uh, oh, it's too late, their husband moves the lamp over, and what does she say? I hate that. Put it back. You know, we deal with this element of change, and 70, almost 70% of us hate change. Um, but here we are. I mean, can you think of anything in your mind, in your life right now that isn't changing? Your relationships that aren't changing. That person that you counted on, they changed. Why is everything changing? Why is everything changing? Am I wearing you out? The second law of thermodynamics basically is the law of decay. So... Everything is going from this place of thermal energy to not so much thermal energy to falling apart, you know, kind of like your 98 Ford. I mean, it's just moving in that direction. And, and material things are not eternal. Nothing stays fresh as the day you bought it. Um, your clothing, ultimately, as the Bible says, everything returns to dust. Everything ages and wears out. It's even death. Even death is a manifestation of the laws of thermodynamics, the second law. Everything changes. And here's the problem with all this change. I'm going somewhere, by the way, not just ranting. Um, change breaks down trust. I mean, there is good change, like when you decide instead of going to Carlsbad Caverns to go to Hawaii for your vacation. I mean, there is good change, okay? But it's still change. But the negative change, that person you counted on, that company you counted on, your boss who said he was going to give you the promotion, your, your instructor who said they were going to do what, you know, give you whatever you needed, etc. All of that kind of change breaks down trust. It breaks down trust. And the truth is that we are so used to change. I mean, because it starts for us early, right? We come out of the womb. We're all cute and cuddly in our onesie, right? You have that warm sensation, and boom, you're on the changing table. And it's like we're on the changing table for the rest of our lives. <laughs> and change breaks down trust. So we try to control change, okay? But we can't control change, right? We can't really control anything outside of ourselves. And, and some of us are having a hard time with that. We're pretty out of control, um, we can't control change. We have control disorders, right? Obsessive compulsive. Um, someone called me a control freak. I was at the time. I was at the time. I'm not now, okay? Control freaks, you know, paranoia, et cetera, et cetera. What is the 12-step 
prayer. God, grant me the serenity to what? Accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can, which isn't much. And the wisdom to know the difference. Right? We can't control change. Right? I, I saw this little meme. Ever. It had like 26 things you can control. And I, I was reading it. And they all had to do with me. Like, I can control how many times I say I love you. I can control my attitude. And I, can, I mean, in some of them I was like, sometimes. I'm not sure I could do that one. You know? I mean, it's tough to control change. And you know what? I, I, need, I need something in my life that doesn't change. You need something. We need something in our lives that doesn't change. What is it? Because really, everything I see, my spouse, all, all relationships, everything is changing. What doesn't change? What can I have in my life? What can I bring in my life that doesn't change? And, and it's simply this, really. is the fact that God doesn't change. Okay? So here we are, you know, on the good ship change in the sea of who knows what's going on all at once. And the only thing in our lives that really doesn't change, given enough time, doesn't change is God. God doesn't change. His nature doesn't change. His goodness doesn't change. His justice, love, mercy, grace, the fact that he's inter- eternal, it doesn't change. His power is unabated. His wisdom is un- undiminished. His holiness is unblemished. God doesn't change. He doesn't change. That's really good news. That's really good news. In fact, in Malachi 3.6, Malachi was a prophet in the Old Testament. This is where God makes it perfectly clear. He says, I am the Lord. I'm God. I'm in charge of everything. And I don't change. I don't change. The attributes of God can no more change than he is a deity cease to exist. Okay? He's immutable. Okay? Do I... Do I need to get Siri to help us with a definition of immutable? Siri, define immutable. No, not that. (laughs) I stuttered. I'm sure it's my fault because she's, you know, oh no, she's changing. Siri, define immutable. No. Subject or susceptible to change or variation in form or quality or nature. Not subject to change in form or quality or nature. God is the great immutable. He doesn't change. Right? His veracity is immutable. Right? His word in Psalm 119, it says, His word is settled in heaven forever. God doesn't change. And James, James the brother of Jesus, he wrote, he wrote this note in uh, his letter to the church. He said, whatever is good and perfect, whatever is good and perfect, comes down to us from God our Father, who has created all the lights in heaven. Basically, he created the heavens and the earth. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Never changes. We can always count on him to be the same. He is always God. He is always infinitely powerful. 
Never will God fail to accomplish his due to change, uh, his duty to change or his desire to change a person, to accomplish his purpose. Let me restate that. Never will God fail to accomplish his purposes due to his power failing somehow. God never changes. Right? In uh, Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. That's all of yesterday. He's the same all of today. And he's the same forever. The writer of the book of Hebrews says, Jesus, the Son of God, doesn't change. His mind, his characteristics, his plan, they don't change. This guarantees the quality of his character. He never changes. The reason God never changes is because he's perfect. He's perfect. So think of it this way, right? You're... You're in the, the coffee shop, the restaurant, whatever, right? You've doctored up your iced tea or your coffee, whatever, and it's like right amount of sugar, cream, whatever you put in. It's like perfect. Like this is the best cup of coffee in the world, right? You drank it half down. It's still perfect, right? And then you see it, right? It's the waitress across, and what has she got? She's got the thing. She's headed for your table, Right? Right? She went from your great waitress to the devil because she is about to pour off and ruin your cup of coffee, right? You don't want anything added to it. You don't want anything taken from it. It is perfect. That is why God doesn't change because you can't, he can't have more power than he has. He can't lose any power. He can't be smarter, wiser. God doesn't mature. Like, you know... I used to think that, but now I've, you know, I've grown since then. No, God is perfect, doesn't change because he doesn't need to change. Okay, so I just want to be honest with you. Okay, there's a good side and a bad side to this. Okay, you're like, how can there be a bad side? We're talking about God. Well, the bad side is that if you're in that place where you're thinking that God changes somehow, as in, like, overlooking stuff that you're doing. Like, well, you know, he understands me. And, you know, God works with me. And, you know, it's he and I are close. We're good. You're lying to yourself. Because what God said thousands of years ago about sin, his, his hatred of sin, and how much it hurts you, how much it's, impacting your life and the people around you over here today with you and many everybody up to now he still feels the same way god doesn't change his justice doesn't change right you might be thinking you know i know what's wrong maybe you're in that spot i know it's wrong but it makes me happy and god doesn't god want me to be happy God doesn't really, God doesn't want you to be happy. That's not like on the top of God's list for you, is for you to be happy. God wants you to have joy, right? Unspeakable. God wants you to live life to the fullest abundantly. You know, I'm sure maybe you could say he wants you to be happy in a sense. 
But if your happiness is dragging you away from him, if your happiness is destroying all the relationships in your life, if your happiness is leading you to a path away from him, I promise you, God doesn't want you to be happy doing that. Right? Because here's the truth, okay? If it's not right, it won't turn out right. If you start a sense, well, I know it's wrong, but just stop right there. Because if it's not right, it won't turn out right. Right? God doesn't change. And he hasn't changed how he feels or how he thinks, what he's thinking about you, his desire to love you, how he feels about sin. It doesn't change. God doesn't mature. And the other thing we do is, we, we come up with this concept of, you know, trying to figure out, you know, well, I think God is this way or that way. This is the truth. God doesn't change. Eric, do you mind coming up here, Eric? So I just want to illustrate this, okay, because I hear this a lot, especially in Santa Fe, okay? So Eric's going to help me. Eric. Hey, hey man. Where have you been? Oh, right over there. Oh, it's kind of dark. I didn't see you. So this is Eric, okay? Eric, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, just briefly? Um, yeah, I'm 36. 36. Um, married to an amazing woman. Yeah. Um, part of a great church. Yeah. Dad, Dad father, father, kind-hearted, like good man, love soccer, right? That's who you are, right? Some attributes about you is that you're loving and kind, considerate most of the time, right? Most of the time. And, uh, yeah, so... Okay, that, this is Eric. Okay, so this is what's happening in our society today, okay? I'm an, I'm an atheist, so my comment is this. I don't believe Eric exists. I mean, I don't see him in the world. There's all this bad stuff happening in the world. If Eric existed, then we would see more loving kindness in all the stuff that he says he is in the world, I don't see it. So, therefore, Eric doesn't exist. Okay? <laughs> but there he is. Okay? Oh, this is better. I believe in the Eric consciousness, kind of that energy. Eric is an energy. Eric is, he flows in and through anything you touch. You can sense that Eric is there, and you get this vibe and feeling of, of Eric. And Eric, and this is who I believe Eric is. Right? Yeah. You goofing off over there? Yeah, you told me to move. I did. Shut up. All right. Is that who Eric is? No, I'm lying to myself. Lying to myself. How about this one? That's my favorite. I believe Eric is a female. You know, it's a whole Mother Nature thing and all that stuff. Just... You know, and the nurturing aspect of Eric. I just believe that Eric is a female. I am not a female. <laughs> what, what? I am not a female. He's not a female. Thanks, Eric. Right? right? We're laughing because that's ridiculous. We're laughing because it's ridiculous. And, and here's the fact. We don't get to make up who God is. We don't. We can, we can think, we can say, oh, no, I just don't believe that God could be like that. I, I just don't think any of that could be. It doesn't matter. 
It doesn't matter what we believe. I told this to my sister. She was, you know, a little wayward, making it up. And I said, I said, honey, babe, Ruth, seriously, you don't get to choose who God is. God is who he is. You should try to find out who he is and quit making it up. Because when we're in this place, typically when we're trying to make up who God is, it's we're trying to make him up so that it fits me. And so I can do what I, I can keep doing what I want to do. Because we as human beings are typically very self-centered and self-focused. That's really a definition for sin. And when we're in this place, we want it to go our way. And we'll make it up however. God is not a favorite song that we can pick, right? It's more like beans in a jar. However many beans are in that jar, that's how many there is. And God is who he is, and he doesn't change. The reason that bad things happen to good people and that there's all this stuff out in the earth and why isn't there more good is because we're out there. Right? We aren't coming to God and choosing to live differently. Right? If maybe you don't, you're not sure about Adam and Eve way back when, but basically they wrecked it. They, we wrecked the earth. God set up this perfect place. We made decisions and we wrecked it. So what we're doing is, we, you know, it's like we went to the Lamborghini store. They, they gave us a brand new, we won, you know, thousands of customers, whatever. We won the Lamborghini. We drove it around. Partying with our friends in our new Lamborghini, we wrapped it around a telephone pole, we had it towed back to the dealership, and we said, why did you give me this wrecked car? Why? And God is saying, look, I gave it to you perfect. You screwed it up. You screwed it up. But here's, here's the deal, guys. I'll be with you through it all. In fact, I'll put a, a plan in place so that you can restore your relationship with me, with me and we can make things better. We can do things like the Grove that reach out to people and try and to give them a better life. To say, hey, look, there's a better way to live. And if we can get enough goodness in the world of people who are coming to God and going back out into the world, then I bet the world will become a better place. That's what would happen. And really, that's the good side of the fact that God doesn't change, right? It provides us a solid foundation of comfort. It provides what, what Christians call um, security of the believer. It's not, God's not going to say, well, you know, my son died on the cross and, you know, it was ugly and it was, you know, brutal. And, well, it was just, you know, you know so 33 AD, it was just, it's kind of boring. I just, I'll just take all paths. Everybody can come. God doesn't change. He didn't change his plan. Believe me, if my son went to the cross and died and was brutally beaten so that other people could be saved, that would be the only way. God doesn't change. And the fact that he doesn't change can be our hope in times of too much change for us when we're in the place of being too overwhelmed, right? We can't rely on human nature, right? We're always changing. 
But God is fixed. His purpose is fixed. He is stable, dependable, trustworthy, faithful. He doesn't change. You can count on him to always be the same. In fact, it says this in Isaiah 54. It says, for the mountains shall depart, meaning, and then the hills remove. Basically, you know, a storm can come through and just wipe the place. But my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed. It's because God doesn't change. Jesus said this. He said, my peace I leave with you, not as the world gives. That peace that he's talking about is because is founded on the fact that he doesn't change. Right? So, so God said he loved you. He sent his son to die on a cross or he said he loved you. Do you believe it? Are you there? God says, I'm have grace on you. I have mercy for you. Do you receive it? Or, you know, I was in a place. I'll just tell a story. I, I was in a place in my life where I was whining pretty seriously. And uh, I was in my back bedroom and I was talking to God. And I said, with all the crazy, all the change, all the crazy that's going on in my house right now. You know, this was kind of during the teenager years parenting. And uh, <laughs> I said, Laura, I don't, I'm not feeling it. And you, you say you love me. I read it. You know, your son went down on the cross. From, but I don't you don't love me. I don't feel it. I'll never, I'll never forget it. I'm in, the, I'm in the room. I just actually, you know, squatted down on my knees, you know, sitting on my feet and just kind of whining. And uh, this might seem weird to some of you, okay? But I felt a spiritual presence come in the room. Now the fact is, is God is all present, meaning He's always everywhere. But sometimes he allows us to feel his presence. And I felt the, the Lord's presence in the room. I'm not kidding. Okay, so I'm, I sat up now because I, I know something's about to go down. And based on what I just said, I was thinking that was probably not good. Okay, no lie. I felt God's presence like his face right here in my face. Two inches max right here. It was, it was the most incredible thing. And I felt him speak to my spirit and said, I said I loved you. Are you going to take me at my word or not? I was like, <laughs> you know, so I still tear up. Because I, I just sat back and, you know, this in a huge amount of emotion you know, and I'm weeping at this point and just asking for an apology. So, God, I, I'm, I'm not asking for one, giving one. I am so sorry. And what God showed me in that moment is that in my faith, I, my faith needed to move from an emotional-based faith, emotional-based faith to a fact-based faith. But God says he loves you. Are you going to take him at your word, at his word or not? He loves you. And here's the truth. This is why I'm talking about God doesn't change. Because 
God's choice, God's nature, God's nature to love you is not impeded or changed in any way by our nature to sin. Right? We run amok. We're rebellious. We want what we want. Right? That doesn't change God's love for us. His nature to love is not dissuaded by ours not to love him, to turn away from him. God is always ready, always present, always right there saying, I'm ready. I love you. Come, be with me. I created this plan. It doesn't change. Come. Right? You're going through big struggles in your life, big changes in your life. What if you took and put your faith and trust in a God who doesn't change? Someone you can count on. When everybody else has failed you, you can count on the fact that God is going to take you by his righteous right hand and he will walk that path with you. The key is we have to let go of the fear that all this change, the fear, the anxiety that's going on in us. We have to let go of that and choose to trust. And, and basically, it, the more, I'll, I'll say it this way, the more we are in fear, the more we're in anxiety, the further we are from trust. And my challenge to you today is very simple, is that you need to, one, thank God that he doesn't change. Thank God that he doesn't change. We can count on his character. And then we, we need to move. We need to say, okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you because you said... You said you work all things together for good, for those who called according to your purpose. And I am called. So I'm walking with you. Right? I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. You're my, I'm, in, I'm with you, you and me, we're good. So I'm going to walk that way. And the more I walk this way, the more I'm walking away from fear and anxiety. Right? We have to make that Step of faith. And just as a personal example, okay, I, I've, I have experienced uh, more than my share of change in the last few months. We, in October, we sold our house. God did that. It was fantastic. We had to be out in 20-whatever days. It was, it was challenging. God, God gave us everything we needed, and, and we hung on, and things looked like they were going to go bad. God intervened and they didn't. But even if they have gone bad, I know that God would be there with me because I, I don't have to do anything alone because of my relationship with God. You have that opportunity if you're not there. If you've engaged in that relationship with God, you have that. But you have to choose to tap into that. You have to make that choice. So we sold our house we moved into a two-bedroom on the other side of town, and um, it was great. My wife and I, we had the bedroom there for the girls when they come back from college. Christmas was great, all this stuff. My sister went in the hospital toward the end of, Jan- uh, end of January. And my sister is my mother's primary caretaker, okay, my mom. Um, she's 81, and she will tell you that. She's right over there somewhere, and she'll tell you, I'm 81, okay? So stop making me walk so far. <laughs> I'm not kidding. She doesn't. Anyway, my sister didn't make it out of the hospital. 
she died there on February 4th. And uh, <clears throat> I promised myself I wouldn't tear up. So instead, I'm just going to fall on the floor here and weep openly. Um, she was my hero. I mean, just an incredible person. And uh, she passed. And uh, when she went in the hospital, my brother-in-law brought my mom to me because he couldn't care for her and be in the hospital and all that. And so my mom's been in my girls' bedroom. My girls come home from college at the end of April. And I'm not going to – really, the, the place only has three rooms, the living room, this bedroom, and that, and our bedroom, and then the kitchen dining room. Sorry, Mom, you're on a cot in the living room. I hope it's okay. I have to move. You know, and, and, and now I have this support, and, and I need help in that. And that there's a lot of transition, a lot that goes in all of this, the situation. So, I mean, here are my choices, right? I can drive, you know, I could jump off a cliff, you know, but in Santa Fe, where are they? You know, it'd be like, ah, oh, man, let me try again. You know, you could try that. You know, I could drive. I guess the Gorge Bridge is whatever. By the time I got there, it'd be like, are we there yet? <laughs> you know, so that, that I can't do that. Um, I can freak out. I can go crazy trying to control where are we moving? What are we doing? How are we going to make all this stuff work? And. You know, I, we're, we've got to go to a graduation. I still have stuff of, the, of my mom's and my, my sister's that I have to pack up. He wants me to come in May. And blah, you know, all this stuff. I mean, I can freak out, try to control the whole thing and all that. Okay, if I do that, I'm going to be over here. And I'm walking in fear. And I have a tremendous level of anxiety because I still have my job, which is a high-stress job. And I deal with this high-stress stuff all the time. Projects, deadlines, etc. I have two teams, three teams now. Yeah, that was the other thing. They gave me a third team um, a few months ago. I have to keep track of them and all that. So I have all that. I could live here. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wreck my relationship with my wife if I do that. I love her. I don't want to ever be without her in my life. And I, I'll, I'll wreck my relationships with my sisters, the other two. I mean, it'll, it'll go bad for me if I stay here. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go this route. And I'm going to walk this road of trust. And it's, and it's simply this, is that I can trust in God's wisdom. He knows where I need to be. He'll provide everything I need to get me, every, you know, all the stuff, the storage unit, the this, the that, all the coordination between everything. God, God is infinitely wise. Can't get any smarter. He'll provide that. So I'm going to trust God. I'm trusting God to provide that. I'm trusting in his power that he's going to keep me energized, keep me going. He's going to help me walk this road because I don't get a choice to walk this road or not. If I want to keep what I have, I have to walk this road. So I'm going to trust in his power. You know, what else? Right? I can trust in his love, that he loves me. He knew this was coming. That's no surprise. So he's going to help me through it. I can trust in his will, his plan for my life, that this is part of his plan. So I'm going to walk with him. 
that's what that's my challenge to you as you're facing these situations as you're facing a boatload of change in your life you have an opportunity to engage with somebody who does not change who will not let you down with what he says see this is one beef i have with god he likes to do things his way okay so just because things aren't going according to your plan does not mean they are not going according to his plan right i know that i've been around long enough the big five zero. right so i'm going to walk with god on this route because i don't want that i've done that you know, and it didn't serve me. And I wrecked relationships. And it was too hard. It was a mess. I still reap some of the rewards of that life back then. And I just, I don't, I don't want to do that with this. So I'm going to choose to have a fact-based faith. And I'm going to walk forward trusting that God will deliver me in this fantastic trial. And it's an opportunity for me to see God at work. That's my attitude. That's my approach. And it's founded on the fact that God doesn't change. His love for me, his mercy, his grace, his justice, all of it doesn't change. Amen? So what do you think? You guys up for the challenge? It's kind of scary. Just do this, okay? Because I know, I know when you first, you're walking away from all of how you're controlling things, you, th- you just think you're in control, okay? <laughs> you just think you're in control. Um, when you start walking this way toward trust, it's challenging. But if you'll take one step, God will meet you there, okay? And, God, and you'll see, oh, like, oh, hey, it worked, you know? <laughs> God God showed up. Okay, I'll take another step. Oh, God showed up. If you'll take the step, God will show up and show off. Because he loves you. If, if you're still here trying to make it all work so you can have what you want, the sins you love, and trying to make it work with some kind of relationship with him, kind of, sort of, look, that's, that's it. You're... You're going to die empty. It doesn't work. It seems like it for a season, but it won't. This is better. So that's my challenge to you today. Take a little step and head that way. So maybe you're here and, and like you're, you're like, wow, this God stuff. I don't know, man. You're talking a little over my head, and I just, I'm not even sure about that. But... I need help. If you're in that space or you're in a place where you've been here a few times and you're like, you know what? I I want God in my life. I want somebody who doesn't change in my life that I can count on their character. If that's you, I want to give you an opportunity right now to to begin the relationship. Because like I said, God has that plan that he put in place. His son died for, for all your mistakes, everything you've done. Everybody in this room makes mistakes. Some of some of the people in here, I know them. It's worse than you, I promise. God wants to forgive you because he loves you. He wants you to, to come and, and be in this relationship with him so he can help you move from all the way over here to all the way over there. That's what God wants. 
So let me just ask everybody to you know, close your eyes, bow your heads, just, just for privacy, okay? If you want to start this relationship with God and you want to do that, just raise your hand right now. Raise your hand. Amen. Anyone else? You want God in your life, a God that doesn't change. Amen. So how we do that is we we pray. Basically, we talk to God. It's a conversation. So let's have this conversation with him and just repeat this prayer after me. And everybody else, if you're a Christian, please join just to make it less uh, um, uncomfortable. Jesus, you died on the cross for me. And you love me. And your desire is to have this relationship with me. Jesus, I invite you into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Amen.